as we continue to contemplate the death of our Lord Jesus Christ on a cross somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 years ago, I wonder if you ever ask, what's the point? Not, what's the point of the cross directly, but what's the point of you? <laughs> Why are you here? What are you here for? One way to answer that question is to ask another question. Who are you? If you want to know why you are here, you can ask who you are in the first place. If you've wondered about your identity, who you fundamentally are, one way the scriptures answer that question is with this word that John begins verse 7 with, Beloved, you are one who is loved. If you are fundamentally beloved, then what is your purpose? For that, you have to look to the one who loved you. Why did he love you? What is it that he loved you for? What does he want from you? His desire from your life is that his love would be perfected in you who are loved. He wants his love perfected in those that he loves. He wants us to be in the light as he is in the light. He wants us to walk in his commands, to walk as he himself walks. He wants us as children to behold what manner of love we have received from the Father, and then in light of the love we have received from the Father, to love our brothers and sisters. Here's how John describes it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure, sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. 
The old commandment is the word that you've heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him, there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Do you know where you're going? Can you see? Do you see who you are and the path that you are called to walk? Do you see the point of what God has done in you? Who God has made you and what he has called you to? Do you understand the point of you? In Christ, we are the beloved who exist to perfect his love. In what sense can the love of God be perfected? It can be perfected as it reaches its ultimate aim, its ultimate goal, the purpose, the fruition of his love in us and to us is that his love would flow through us and be completed in our love for one another. His love succeeds. His love is perfected as we love one another and walk in his commands as we walk in his ways. You are called in love, with regards to God's love, to reflect his love, to reflect it. You know well and good that you have fallen short there are very specific people in your life who I imagine it is not hard for you to even think of who they are right now. Well, if we were to take stock of how you have loved them, if you've been kind and patient and gentle, if you have been forgiving and understanding, the list of failures immediately begins to add up. John is writing so that we might not sin, that we might not fail, but that we would love. But we do fail. We don't reflect the love. John says if we acknowledge that we've fallen short, that we need to reflect it more, there is hope. What do we do? Well, we fail to reflect because, first of all, we fail to receive. A mirror can only reflect the thing that it is pointed at. And when we are failing to reflect the love of God, it's because we're not directed towards the love of God. To, first of all, receive that we may be able to show. If you are struggling to reflect love, I want to ask you the question, are you receiving perfect love? 
Are you allowing your identity as one who is loved? You are beloved to inform your purpose. This is why you are here, so that it flows out into action. This is what you do. You love because you have first been loved. Which means if we want to be people who perfect the love of God, who live out our purpose, our identity, we need to receive his love first and foremost. How do we receive his love? Well, we need to understand what kind of love it is <laughs> if we want to receive it appropriately. You receive in your own life, you receive romantic love very different than you receive love from your parents or love from your siblings, or even love from your friends. The type of love it is determines how it is that you receive it, how it is communicated and accepted. What is this love? This is the love of the righteous one who advocates for sinners. We must receive his advocacy his intercession, his pleading on our behalf. He says, I'm writing to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, which as we've already identified, we have sin, then we are prepared to receive his love. The love of an advocate who would plead for us. There are, there are reasons that would block us from receiving this love. Oddly enough, I, I think they are grounded in the reality that we long for this love. We long for it so much, but we conceive of it as a human love, and so we do human-type things. We perceive that we are unlovable because of our failures, failures and our sins, and so we try to pretend like we have no sin. And in 1 John 1, John says, if you say you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not in you. By trying to present yourself as lovable, you cut yourself off from the love that you so desperately desire. So we hide our sins, we hide our failures, we hide our shortcomings, we hide from what makes us unlovable, and we make ourselves unlovable. If we want to receive this love, it begins with acknowledging our sin. But there's an equally deadly error we can make. Again, conceiving of God's love, the love that we desire like human love, we can think, my sin is too much. So that rather than hiding the fact that we have sin, all we do is think about our sin and make so much of our sin that we think God can't love me. His love can't overcome. But John says if we confess our sins, just confess them. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. The love that we desire, we receive as we confess our sins. Knowing that he is righteous. He's a righteous advocate. One who will plead and intercede on our behalf. Like a lawyer, who do you want as an advocate? 
Someone uh, reminded me recently of a movie. I don't recommend this movie at all. My cousin Vinny, but the, the whole the whole point of this movie was was like these these two kids in their moment of greatest need when they're on trial and they're going to go to jail for the rest of their lives. The lawyer that shows up is just someone's cousin and he has no idea what he's doing and your life is hanging in the balance and your advocate, your lawyer doesn't know what he's doing. That's a terrible spot to be. You don't want that kind of an advocate. What kind of an advocate do you want? You want someone who is righteous, someone who's just, someone who knows the law and obeys the law, someone, someone even maybe who has a relationship with the judge, who can plead and has the ear of the judge on your behalf. Here is a righteous one who advocates for the unrighteous. Here is one who loves, who advocates on behalf of those who have walked in hatred. Here is one who has walked in the light, who advocates for those still in the darkness. But his love, his love goes deeper still than merely advocating. It's not simply advocacy because he pities us like you might pity someone asking for money at an intersection when you pull up to a red light. It's more. The love of the one who advocates for us, which we must receive, is the love of the one who died for us. This is, this is love. Love to the shedding of blood. Hear how the New Testament describes love. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. In this way, to this degree, in this manner, he so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He loved, so he gave. That's not just the love of the Father, it's the love of the Son in John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, he knows he's going to the cross. What is it that he does? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He describes that love to his disciples in John chapter 15. He says, greater love is no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. The greatness of this love that we are called to receive is a blood-shedding, life-giving love. Paul describes it this way in Romans 5. We read this earlier. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when the New Testament calls us to love one another as husbands are called to love wives, in Ephesians 5, this is the example for us. This is the standard of love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Throughout the entirety of the New Testament, in light of the cross, it is impossible for the authors of the New Testament to conceive of love apart from the shedding of blood and the giving of life for us. So John sums it up this way in 1 John chapter 4. In this is love. This is love. 
Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We have been loved. Loved to the end. Loved to the death. Loved to the laying down of his life. This is the day. Good Friday is the day that we ultimately see. Of all the days in the year, this is the day when we can be most certain and most confident that we are loved. Have you received Have you received the love of Christ on a cross, crucified for sinners? His love is more than just knowing that we have an advocate, one who can plead our cause. It's understanding that the righteous one can advocate for us because he has already paid the price for our guilt, loving us to death. Have you received the love of propitiation? He is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is the taking of God's wrath. If if God's wrath were a cup filled and Jesus drank it dry, If, if God's wrath were storm cloud loaded heavy with rain and hail, it was fully poured out on the cross of Jesus Christ till the cloud was empty and dissipated. If God's wrath were a tornado, the the point of touchdown, the point of destruction was fully born on Christ until all the energy of the storm was gone. And there's blue blue skies. There's peace because the wrath, the wrath is gone. And only love remains. He has loved you to be the propitiation for your sins. And there is no one else who can take this wrath. No one else who can pay this price. No one else who can die in your place. So John says, not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. The hope of the world. The hope of every human is this. That you would receive love. The love of propitiation. The taking of wrath. The just. The righteous. The sinless has died in our place. He has taken the wrath for our sin. He has loved us to the end. So on Good Friday we ask. Do you confess your sins? Do you contemplate the wrath that he took? Do you consider his misery and his sorrow? Do you care that he died in your place? Have you received perfect love? If you have, then this is who you are, friend. You are beloved. 
This becomes who you are. You have received love. You are loved. You've received it. So John asks, do you reflect it? Do you perfect it in the way that you live? You were created for this purpose, created in his image and likeness. You were created to be a reflector and a reflection. You are designed to reflect. You exist to perfect his love. To experience this love so deeply. To internalize this love so deeply. That it begins to pour forth from you. I have a friend who once ate so many carrots that her skin started to change color. Do you drink so deeply of the love of Christ that what comes out of you looks different? Beloved is who you are and to love is why you exist. So it is where there is freedom and joy and meaning living within the purpose that God has created you for. As you reflect what you've received, and as, as you receive it, do his commandments begin to make sense? To honor your father and mother. These are old commandments because he is love. To not murder because he is love. To not commit adultery which robs and steals and objectifies and pillages. Because he is love. To not envy because the one who is love has given you everything that you have and has also withheld from you everything that you don't have because he is love. Do his commandments, his old commandments make sense? Do they become new? Are they new in Christ and also in you so that you now love as he has loved? Not just not murdering, but laying down your own life for the good and for the blessing of others. That's our aspiration, right? To love with great boldness and to love with great sacrifice and to love with great freedom and to love with great joy. Seems so heavenly. Seems like running when most of us are still struggling to learn how to crawl. So we turn back again. We are created to reflect what we have received. Are you receiving? This is how Paul lays out this pattern for us in Galatians chapter 2. The life that I now live in the flesh, the love that I put on display through the fruits of the Spirit, this life that I live, the reflection I offer is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What I have received, I now reflect. First John chapter 3, John says it this way, by this we know love. He laid down his life for us and we are to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If you long to live out what you were created to be, if you long to be the one that God has created you to be, understand we are not mere consumers of love, but conduits of love. And the more we pour out, the more God will pour in. But first of all, the faucet is turned on as we receive love through the pouring out of blood. 
and the death of Jesus in our place. We long to perfect his love. That's what we were created for. Are you loved? Have you received it? Can you say this morning to your soul with confidence, soul, you have been loved forever and eternity, once and for all. You have been loved to the death. You have been loved and you have an advocate, a righteous and just one who pleads on your behalf. Can you say to your soul, I am loved. Good Friday is the day of all days when you must be able to say this. John says, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in this same way in which he walked. Have you received and will you reflect? You are beloved. So go and be love. Let's pray.